Good morning. I brought a pie this morning. Before we get there, let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you so much for a great morning of worship. We thank you, Lord, for the dedicated uh, worship team, for the tech team, for all the people that make all this possible, Lord. We're just so very, very thankful to have uh, this chance to worship. Lord, this morning as we continue in our series, looking through the minor prophets, um, looking at the book of Joel, uh, God, we pray that you would open our ears and our eyes to hear and to see what it is that you have to say to us, Lord. And uh, Lord, give us the courage to poke around and look at places in our own lives, maybe where you want to make some changes. And um, Lord, help us to be open to that. Uh, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going through the Minor Prophets, uh, because that's what everybody loves to do during the summer, is just go through those little books of the Bible in the back of the Old Testament that uh, we don't normally get to. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking through the book of Joel really more thematically. Um, this is sort of like a uh, you know 10,000-foot view of the book of Joel. We're going to go through it uh, fairly uh, quickly, I mean, just one morning here. And the book of Joel is really all about getting our relationship right with God. But the thing I've noticed as I went through the book of Job is that the things that help us to get our relationship right with God are the exact same things that we need to get our relationships right with each other, too. And so this morning, it would be my prayer that all of our relationships would be right with God and that we would have great and healthy relationships with each other. But really, if we're honest with each other, we all struggle from time to time. Our relationships with God struggles, struggle from time to time. Our relationships with each other struggles from time to time. And as I thought about relationships and thought about problems in relationships, I thought about, I thought about a pie. Because, you know, let's just imagine that the pie is everything that's wrong in your relationship with somebody. Maybe it's with God, maybe it's with somebody else, maybe it's with your spouse, maybe it's with a friend, maybe it's with your child, and the pie represents everything that's wrong with that relationship. That's the pie. What I've noticed about pies and problems in relationship is this, is they don't just appear. Like, I, we've never left the house and come back only to find a pie, just like, just spontaneously formed there on the counter. There's normally a process that goes into it. There's a baking process. There's a cooking process. There's warning signs, if you will, that a pie is coming. The smells are there. The timer goes off. There's extra cooking activity. Sometimes there's special grocery trips to be made. Hey, could you pick up a bunch of those rotten bananas that you wouldn't touch? I need them for something. What do you need nasty bananas for if it's not for a pie? Okay? This is what you need these things for. There's warning signs to it. Same thing's true in our relationships. Relationships give warning signs before they explode, before they blow up. Relationships do. You know, it's not, it's not one of those things where you come and you're like, oh, I never, I just didn't hardly ever see that coming. Now, I, mean, I suppose that might happen occasionally, but that happens very rare. Normally, there are a lot of warning signs. 
uh, the prophet Joel is prophesying during a point in Israel's history where God has sent some warning signs to the nation of Israel. Uh, God had sent, during uh, the prophet Joel's time of ministry, he had sent a plague of locusts. Now, locusts are kind of bad things, and during this point in time, these are locusts of what we would say would be biblical proportion kinds of locusts, okay? There's, there's no pun intended. This is really what's happened here. And God had told the people that locusts were going to be one of the ways that he would get people's attention. Uh, he had said this, you know, back in the beginning when, you know, they, they had sent locusts to the Egyptians. There was this warning sign, hey, listen, you should get right with me and let my people go or something bad's going to happen. And during the time of Joel's prophetic ministry, uh, the people had sort of wandered away from God. They'd gotten distant from God. And during Joel's ministry, uh, a, a wave of locusts came through. As a matter of fact, we believe that it was actually three separate waves of locusts. Now, I'm told, and I don't know how true this is, but that the Alaskans have something like 20 words for snow. I mean, we've got one because it's just, it's just snow. Uh, but they've got different words for the different kinds of words. Today, we have, you know, maybe one word for like locust, um, you know, I guess maybe grasshopper. But in the book of Joel, there are multiple different words used for locusts. The way Joel describes it, he says, uh, there was uh, this one kind of locust that just came through. And remember how after that locust plague came through, do you remember how we thought that was all that could be taken from us? And then do you remember, like right on the heels of that, how the second plague of the different kinds of locusts came through and it wiped everything else out and how we looked at each other and we said, there is just, wow, there's nothing left. And then after that plague came through, do you remember how the third plague came through? And do you remember how really at that point in time we had absolutely nothing left? And that's where they are. They're at this place where there's absolutely nothing left. And Joel is going to to speak this prophetic word saying, listen, this is a sign. Just as an army of locusts has marched through and destroyed everything we have, this is, we think it's judgment, it's actually grace. God is warning us. He is letting us know that something worse is coming if we don't get right with him. If we don't get right with him, he says, there's going to be an army from the north that's going to come through, and they're not just going to take our food and our, you know, and our grain and our vegetation. They're going to take our sons and our daughters and our homes and our land. We've got to get right with God. This is a warning sign. Now, in our relationships with people, locusts don't normally show up um, as a warning sign that things aren't right between you and a friend or you and your spouse or you and your kids. Locusts don't just like spontaneously appear and you're like, oh, it's locusts, there must be a real problem. Uh, other things show up. There's other kinds of warning signs, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. People become withdrawn. They don't talk to you anymore. They don't talk to me like they used to. Why is that? There's a problem. It's a warning sign something's happening. People lash out at you. They have no patience for you. They have no time for you. What is it? It's, it's a warning sign that something worse is coming. And often those warning signs are painful. Uh, 
They, they hurt. It hurts to have locusts come through and wipe everything out. The way that we think of a stock market crash and a housing bubble burst, if they all went together, that's what you have when you get a plague of locusts because they don't have money stockpiled in the bank. All their money is in the crop that is planted that just got eaten. And all of a sudden, now there is literally nothing left. Wall Street didn't crash. It just crashed. It all crashed. What are we going to do? It's a painful place. It's a place people are hungry. They're, they're struggling. They can't feed their livestock. They can't feed themselves. They can't feed their kids. And Joel says, listen, it is painful, but this pain, we can do one of two things with it. It is either an invitation to repent and to make things right with God, or this is going to be the final stage in our relationship this is true in our personal relationships with people too, right? You start to have pain. And sometimes people, you know, they've got different responses to pain. Sometimes when you've got pain, you sort of ignore it. You pretend like nothing's happening. And you say, I don't want to deal with that. And often pain does one of two things. It brings people closer together or it brings them further apart. Because either we're going to say, we're going to get through this together or I want to deal with this by myself. God would say, I want you to come to me. I want to do this together. I want this to draw you close to me. I want this to be an invitation to repentance so that way we can make things right. Uh, God talked about this in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15 and uh, 38. He says, but if you will not obey the Lord your God by diligently observing all his commandments and decrees, which I'm commanding you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. You shall carry much seed into the field, but shall gather little in, for the locust shall consume it. You see, God put this way back in Deuteronomy, hundreds of years before the time of Joel. He said, this is how you're going to know when there's a warning sign. And when that causes that pain, I want you to return to me, and I want you to make it right. Now, there's two kinds of responses when we come to dealing with pain. One is we can ignore it. Or we can do something to fix it. It's actually, I don't know if it's prophetic. Maybe God gave me this sermon illustration. It's probably because he didn't like it. But um, on the way in this morning, I hit my brakes. And my brakes made that lovely grinding noise. That, just like that. It sounds like you've like, drug a grizzly bear up under your tire. And it's growling at me. And I'm thinking, wow, this probably means I need new brakes because I can't have that noise continue. And so... I thought, I can, I've got one of two things. I can fix this, or what I did on the way in this morning was I just turned the radio up a little bit louder. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't hear it. And that, that grinding noise is gone. It's amazing. I'm like the world's best mechanic. Now, if I left it at that, if I left it at that, we all know what's going to happen. It's going to get worse and more expensive and more problematic. Because, you know, brakes don't fix themselves because you're like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. You've got to deal with it. You're going to have to lift the car up. You're going to have to take the, the wheel off. You're going to have to look in there and see what's causing the grinding. There's going to, have to be a new pad that's going to come in, maybe a rotor at this point. I don't know. It's all going to, it's going to have to get replaced. If it doesn't get replaced, it's not going to get fixed. But when it comes to our personal relationships with people, we, we, we have that same problem, don't we? You know, things don't feel right. That's the warning sign. It, we don't like it as much, but often people are like, I'm just going to pretend like nothing's wrong. I, I joke that I'm writing a book called Avoidance, the Key to Success. Um, it's really not the key to success. I, I can tell you that definitively. It is not the key to success. You've got to get 
involved. When pain starts to come and the relationship starts to hurt, you've got to deal with it. Because pain in our relationships, it's a cue to say something's wrong, something needs to be fixed. Just like in your body, if you do something, you kick something, you break your toe, what, what happens? You, your body's saying, we need to do something about this. That's what's happening here. And Joel is calling the nation of Israel back. And he's saying, listen, let's use this pain as an opportunity, as an invitation to dig in deep with our relationship with God and to figure out what's wrong and to deal with it. Same thing's true again in our personal relationships. Pain, it draws us to sort of look at the problem. And we look at it and we go, yeah, that's a real problem there. But pain invites us to look a little bit more closely and to examine the, the, the problem and to look at it a little more deeply. And when we do that, we see that, you know, there's a couple pieces in here. Actually, there's just two, mine and the person I've got a problems with. And this represents sort of all of the blame in the relationship. And we start to look at who's at fault and where and all those kinds of things. Pain invites us to look into that. And, and the, the, now when you've looked at it closely, you now start to see that there's two pieces. There's my piece and there's your piece. And the question is, what are we going to do with that? Well, if you're like most people, when you look at sort of the problem and you figured out who's to blame and you realize this is your part of the blame and you realize this is their part of the blame, the natural response in all humans is to look at this piece, get a fork and say, eat this. You eat it. This is your problem. This is your fault. Eat it. I don't want to talk about this. This is mine. I'll deal with this later. You, however, eat this piece. Let me tell you, that doesn't go over real well, okay? It just doesn't. I've tried this. It does not work. Because other people will go, well, fine, I'll eat this, but what are you going to do with that? And all of a sudden, we've come face to face with, oh, my goodness, I've got to deal with this. See, that's what pain does. Pain invites us to look at that. It invites us to repent, and repentance prepares the way for restoration, repentance prepares the way for restoration because here's what happens is when i say you know what yes this is yours and this is mine and i'm going to deal with it things go much more smoothly let's let's look here at the text uh, joel chapter 2 joel says listen let's let's own this let's own what's our problem says even now says the lord return to me with all your heart with fasting with weeping and with mourning rend your hearts and not your clothing Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will turn, uh, not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Joel says it's time for us to just own it and to eat it and to deal with it. That's what we've got to do. Let me tell you. The four most powerful words that you can say in any relationship, they're this. Some of you are trying to figure them out already. It's not I love you, that's only three. It's not I'm sorry, that's only three. I think the four most powerful words you can say in any relationship is this, is it's my fault. It is my fault. That's what it is. It is my fault. Four. You can track it. You could get three out of there. It's my fault. It's my fault. You know what? This, it's my fault. I'm going to deal with that. It's so disarming when people are willing to own 
and to say, it's my fault. Let me give you an example. So for, uh, for Christmas one year, Jenny wanted a blender. So I, I got her a blender because I'm a good husband. I try to do the things that my wife would like for me to do. And I, I wanted to get a real beefy one. She wanted to make smoothies and crush ice and all these kinds of things. It's supposed to be good for you. And so I, I had options. You know, I could have got the Ninja Blender, which has like, uh, honest to goodness, razor blades inside of the thing. And I knew somebody was going to lose a hand and die if we got that. So I opted not for the the finesse of the Ninja, I opted for the brute strength of the 40 horsepower diesel KitchenAid mixer. Yeah, it's, okay, it's not, it's not diesel, it's 220, um, and it, it's amazing. Okay, this thing, it'll process whatever you put into it. And so I bought this, and the raw horsepower of this is just, it's a man's blender, and it, it weighs about 100 pounds, and it's all cast iron. I think even the buttons, the plastic's cast iron. I mean, it's amazing. So we've had this blender in our house, and we're blending, we're blending up a storm, you know, and it's amazing. And all of a sudden, it just quits. It dies. And it's got a two-year warranty. And I'm like, we, whew, I just bought this like a month ago. We're, we're getting this fixed. And so I waited till my day off because I knew it was going to take all day. And I girded up my loins to use the biblical phrase because I knew I was going to have to call KitchenAid India, you know, and I was going to be routed to seven supervisors before we figured out that they weren't going to do anything, but I was at least going to give it a shot. And so I call the 800 number. I've got all my paperwork. I'm sitting in a comfortable chair and I'm like, just leave me alone for the next four hours because that's what it's going to take to get this thing fixed. Um, And so I call and in three rings... Justin in Tennessee. She says, hi, this is Justin in Tennessee, answers the phone. And I think I've got the wrong number. I'm like, hey, Justin in Tennessee, I'm trying to get a hold of KitchenAid. He's like, this is KitchenAid. I'm like, hey, Justin, my blender broke. And I'm like, I'm ready. And he's like, that's terrible. That's really, I'm, I'm so sorry. That is horrible that your blender broke. And I'm like, Justin, it's, it's man, it's just a blender, you know. <laughs> We're probably going to get through this together. If we, if we work together, we're going to probably get this taken care of. And he says, you know what? I want to send you a new blender right now. Oh, I said, that's what I want for you to do too. And he said, well, I'm going to do it. And I said, what do I have to do? He said, nothing. You just look in the mail, and there's going to be a blender that's going to show up at your house. And I said, really? That's how that's going to work? And he said, yeah. He said, all you're going to do is you take the broken one, and you're going to put it in there, and you're going to send it back to us. And I said, this, you don't need my credit card or anything? No, I just, that's all it's going to be done five minutes that's all it took and i thought wow why can't everything in life be this simple just just so that way i don't besmirch KitchenAid's name the next blender we got has lasted for like an entire two years it's been amazing we love it so we're real happy with that this is not a paid endorsement but but what the point is this is this it, the point is this is that i was so ready for there to be a fight and when there wasn't a fight i was like i it was deflated i was like I girded up my loins for nothing. I didn't have, we didn't have to have a fight. He just owned it. He was repentant. He was, I'm sorry we sent you a bad blender. That's how it is. And I tell you, I've been on the other side of that too. I mean, you work at a church, not everybody's always happy. This surprises some of you, but it's true. I've had people come to me and they're angry and they're like, do you know what happened? And do you know how this happened? And they shot my kid out of a cannon in youth group and into a thing of crocodiles. And, and I'm like, ah. Oh. I'm so sorry. That's my fault. And you know what happens when you just own it? Like all of a sudden, like you can tell they want to fight and there's still like a little burst of anger like, but it should, I I know. It's my fault. I'm sorry. The four most powerful words you can say is it is my fault and own it. 
and say, you know what? As I look at this, this is mine. This is my fault. And I'm going to deal with this. And I'm going to eat this. And here's what happens. When you do that, the other person starts to look and they go, well, you know what? That's my fault. And I need to deal with that. It's amazing what repentance does. Repentance leads the way to restoration, even if it's the other way around. Because I know some of you are here this morning, you're like, well, that's not my piece. I've got the little piece. That's the other person's piece. That's fine. Here's what happens when you own this piece. You say, you know what? This is all my fault. Then all of a sudden they go, wow, this is mine. This is mine. Repentance leads the way to restoration. That's how it works. That's what Joel is calling the nation of Israel back to. That's what Joel is causing, calling us back to, is to repent. Now, some of you this morning, as you think about this, you've got people in your mind, and you're like, you know whose piece of pie, and you know what this pie is about, and you've got a whole backstory on the pie. You know what? Today could be the day you could have repentance, and you could work towards restoration. You could say, you know what? This is mine. I'm going to take this. And today, before you leave, you could send a text, you could call, you could write a card, you could just say, hey, we need to get together because there's some stuff I need to talk about. It's my fault, and I need to make that right with you. I tell you, it would be amazing. I just tell you, it will be amazing what happens when you allow repentance to lead that way, and you own what's yours. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to our relationship with God, it's a little different. When it comes to our relationship with God and we start looking at the blame pie, guess what? It's all ours. There's nothing left for God. And that's what Joel's getting at. He's saying, listen, nation of Israel, let, let's go back one slide to the, uh, the verse there. He, listen to how he describes God. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repent, relents from punishing. Joel says, listen, I've looked at the pie between us and God, and I'll tell you, none of it's his. It's all ours. And we've got to make this right. Now, our worship team's going to come up, and we're going to sing a song of decision here in a few minutes. And as we do, I would just encourage you to think about that. To think about all of the blame pies that you've got in your life, whether it's with people, and maybe some of the people you're, you're dealing with and you're thinking about dealing with, they're really difficult people. And there are really difficult people in the world. I get that. And so during this time of decision, it's going to be in your best interest to say, you know what, God, I need you to give me the strength to own what's mine. Even if the piece is small and it's just a little bit of the frosting, say, God, help me to have the strength to own what's mine and to lead with repentance. Others of you this morning, you've never got your relationship right with the Lord. And as you think about your life and the imperfections thereof, you go, you know what? All of this is my fault. And this morning could be the morning you could make that right with God. You could be baptized into Him, and you could say, you know what? I'm going to move forward and repent of my sins. I know there's a lot of you here this morning. You've been baptized, and yet you've still got stuff between you and God. You don't have to do that again. You've just got to say, God, you know what? That's mine, and I know it. And maybe you've been trying to blame God for it. Maybe you've been upset at God and you said, God, this is your pie. And this morning you're starting to realize, no, 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 that's mine. God, i got to own that. This morning you can take some time again. Just You don't have to come forward. You don't have to do anything special. Just you and the Lord. You can take that and say, God, I, I, give, it, I give it to you. 
Because that's the beautiful thing. Is we own it, we say, God, this is mine, and God takes that pie from us, and he says, I'll, I'll eat that. I'll eat it for you. That's what the cross is all about. So this morning, if you've got a decision to make, we'll invite you to come forward as we sing. Please be standing.